don't forget with Saratoga in the rearview mirror, if you want to be a new player for Naira Bets, that you can sign up and get a free $200 match deposit bonus by going to NairaBets.com or signing up on the Naira Bets app using the promo code Rewind. Terms and conditions do apply. Welcome to episode 51 of Redboard Rewind. My name is Spencer Luganbuehl, and today my special guest is someone who's been on for a record fifth time, Marshall Sterling. Me and Marshall go over three races from Kentucky Oaks Day this past Friday at Churchill Downs, and some angles that we go over are how using time form pace numbers can help you figure out who may be able to survive a pace duel, and how watching when certain barns heat up on big days can help you include a big priced horse. This is Redboard Rewind. It's the same old And now I'd like to welcome in my special guest, Marshall Sterling. Marshall, how are you today? I'm good, man. Yourself? It was a good weekend of racing overall. Strong Friday, even better Saturday, even some good racing uh, on Monday, which we usually don't get to see except for the holidays. Yeah, no, it was a very strong weekend and, um, you know, a good um, slate of races that, you know, really get us prepped for the uh, Breeders' Cup. Do you feel you had stronger opinions going into Friday or Saturday? I had stronger opinions on Friday. I thought that um, the the Saturday Slater races were a little bit harder, um, a little more spready at times, uh, and and certainly uh, proved to be that way. For me, it was kind of a mixed reaction. I know that uh, Friday for me was going to be just by myself. I knew Saturday uh, I was supposed to go up and meet Pete to have a derby party. Had some car problems, so I ended up handicapping the back half of the card with uh, my fiance, who ended up actually having the Derby winner, which was very nice for her. When it comes to getting prepped for these two big days, are you putting the extra time into the car? Are you doing the trip note pros for with Benny's service? Or how exactly are you doing more work, or would you say the, the same amount of work for the big day? Yes, for big days for me, I always stick to the same process. I think when you try to add in too many things, you get too cute. Um, and with that, you tend to overanalyze and overthink things and, uh, and you just, you never want to do that on big days because there are, the pools are big, they're great. And, and you don't want to miss out on an opportunity that you could have had otherwise, you know? So for me, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very much a pace handicapper. So I analyze pace, uh, go through the speed figures. And then I, I always use, um, Benny's trip notes as well just to try to maybe upgrade or maybe downgrade a horse that, that, you know, I, I, I was kind of on the fence with. I know we keep saying Benny's trip notes. That's trip note pros for anybody listening who would like to get into uh, looking at people who literally spend 25 days in a, or 25 hours a day, literally watching races to make sure we have the proper notes that the comment line isn't telling us. Yeah. And I think too, you know, being able to judge, um, not only rider intent, but horse comfort. And, you know, f- especially for them, they have an eye for um, gallop outs, which I do not. Um, I don't at all. I watch replays, but obviously not to the same extent as, as 
um, those guys at Trip Mill Pros. So, you know, a huge shout out to them um, and their service. I think it's it's absolutely second to none. And, uh, and it really shows with the amount of work that they put into it. Another quick shout out to uh, Andrew Radinsky for getting the job done in season two of the Daily Gallup Handicapping Head-to-Head Challenge. It just, uh, he's someone who, like me, he says he's more of a numbers guy, not so much into the replays. And I think it's interesting that we've had, you know, Nikki Samalovich won the first season. Now we have someone like Andrew. So it's kind of staying within the, the Daily Gallup family, even though we had a bunch more outsiders this year join us. Yeah, and I think, too, um, you know, it, it, it tends to show you that speed figures are actually, you know, good numbers to use as far as um, analysis is concerned. You know, uh, it, there's a lot of people, especially in the, the Twitter land, surprise, surprise, that that will really downplay figures and stuff like that. But I mean, in the end, that's the the best way that we have to analyze a horse's performance against another horse's performance. And so I think that um, that it, it really goes to show that uh, that those who are doing the speed figures are are doing a very good job with it, whether you use Brisnet or DRF or optics or um, you know any any variety thoroughgraphs uh, that those products all serve a purpose and they all do a very good job overall. Now, obviously, Churchill had started their week early Tuesday. Was there anything you had noticed from watching the first couple of days? I know as the week progressed, there was a couple of rainy days, and then it ended up on the weekend that the rail was just not the place to be at all. One, I think the rail wasn't the place to be even before the rain uh, came through uh, on the dirt. I mean, you saw speed horses that were two to three wide throughout just trying to stay as far off the rail as they could, almost inviting anyone to go to that dead rail um if they chose to the other so you know for me i'll definitely go back and go through those days and note horses that were on the rail because i think that that there was um a significant um dead rail at churchill the other thing too is on the grass i felt that there were a lot especially early on that there were um there was a lean more towards speed it was very hard to close um through thursday it was very hard to close on that turf course um friday we saw it 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 played a little bit but a little bit more even and i thought saturday that it was pretty even uh too but speed horses definitely i felt had had a, a larger advantage than usual on that turf course was there any specific race you were looking forward to for Friday or any specific course you were looking to uh, put a large chunk of money down on? I mean, for me, my, my biggest opinion was um, in the eight bells. I really liked Monday call. Uh, I just thought that uh, that runner was just so live. Um, the other large opinion that I had going into it was with race six, I really, really liked Honest Mischief, um, and especially once uh, once the scratches came out um, for that day, I, I liked Honest Mischief even more. So the, those are the two like real confident and huge opinions that I had through, throughout the day um, that I that I tried to capitalize on. With you talking about the eighth race, that's actually our first race we're going to talk about today, so let's get into it. Race number eight, 
just so people know, we're going. We, I'm going to have Marshall on. We're talking all about Kentucky Oaks Day. I'm going to have Nick Tamaro on later today. You guys will get two podcasts this week. But back to it, race number eight from Churchill Downs. It was the eight bells of grade two going seven furlongs on the dirt. Tell me why you loved this daughter of into mischief coming out of the one hole. Yeah, so Monday call, um, trained by Brad Cox. You know, the horse had showed some ability last year at Saratoga and, you know, really had to take a lot of time off. You know, um, went from racing November 16th and then came back um, July 11th at Keeneland for their short meet. And really, I mean, just not only the, the huge improvement from two to three years old, but just looked like a very different horse. The horse that filled out was big um, and, and, and really looked good going into that um, allowance race in which, you know, uh, she had every right to, to kind of, you know, take a little bit of time to get back into racing and, and kind of race into fitness. But she looked great in that race, um, you know, sitting off the pace and, and really pulling away strong. And then um, last out uh, in the Audubon Oaks the, at, at Ellis Park, my gosh, that was just an absolute, you know, tour de force. She went out to the lead and coming around the turn just absolutely pulled away from the field geared down i mean it was just an extremely impressive effort um and i thought you know third off the layoff um off of an extended layoff like that she'd be more fit and 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 ready to go for for what would be her toughest um race to date i think it's interesting too when you look at it we had two scratches out of this race which dropped the field from seven to five and I don't know about you, but for me, the lower you get in horses in a field, the more I think speed is dangerous. I think, yeah, and, and I think too on the on the dirt, um, speed is dangerous regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, in this case, it felt like there was a lot of speed in the race. But I just felt that she was the speed of the speed, um, and, and I thought that she'd be able to um, um, to turn back uh, the other speeds in this race. For me, it was, and I'm very much a proponent to looking at the career box, uh, horse for course, the number seven, four races was two for two at Churchill, four for four at a distance that a lot of horses just don't like that being seven furlongs. And you see how she started off with the 83 buyer and a lot of red figures in her past performances, which to me said if she can get into a duel or such with Monday Call, when I see red fractions compared to even like, you know, the one blue fraction I saw from Monday call, I always will take the horse with the red fraction because it shows that they can get into a dog fight and they can usually come out winning. Having the seven hole compared to the rail, obviously now we know the rail is bad. It just, for me, I was trying to avoid the one and my top pick was the seven. You did have another horse in there like Sconson, but this one I think was just going to need so much pace to help up front that I was just, completely ready and when i saw four graces take more money than monday call i really didn't know what to do from a betting perspective in this race well and that was kind of the reason that was the other reason why i liked monday call so much was you know i had a strong opinion about the horse to begin with but then looking at the prices um going into the race i felt i had absolutely no choice but to um but to hammer monday call and i i agree that sconson is the the logical alternative coming into the race I, the speed figures are a little bit light 
you know, coming into it Monday call with the best last out buyer with a hundred um, and four graces, you know, just shy of that at 96. Um, but Wisconsin obviously is going to be coming from the clouds. You know, James Graham is going to be um, given a good ride and, uh, and if given a good trip, you know, could, could easily pull this off too. Um, but to me, it just felt like Wisconsin was light on figures and of the speeds, I, I preferred Monday call over four graces, especially price-wise. What did you end up doing from a wagering perspective? Obviously with the short priced horses, uh, the pick five started this race. Did you play a pick five or did you wait for a better spot later in the card? Yeah. So for me, when I was looking at this sequence, um, I did play a pick five and I singled Monday call um, just because I felt like she was the most likely winner. And I had strong opinions, um, strong opinions later in the card as well. Um, so I felt like if I could single here and I had another single later on that a pick five would be reasonable for me. Um, but I only played one pick five and, and played a, a bunch of pick fours. So um, for me, it was all on the wind end with Monday call. For me, it was a pass on the race for graces being under even money. Not good enough for me to even place a little win bet. Let's see who wins the eight bells here from Churchill on Friday right now. And they're off. Good beginning for Monday call. Good beginning for four graces on the outside. The two of them fastest out of there. They race up the shoot together. Monday call on the inside. Four graces outside, head and head, and they throw it down early. They've opened up three lengths on extra effort. Who's back racing in third by four? Never forget is up into fourth, and Sconson settles in at the back in fifth with five furlongs to go. So down the back stretch, 22 seconds flat was an opening quarter mile. It's Monday call and four graces. Full throttle to the half-mile pull together. Monday calls on the inside short lead. Four graces right alongside in second. Now it's six lengths back to Never Forget, who comes up to be third on the inside of Extra Effort, who's back into fourth. Sconson starting to muster up a late bid, still with ten lengths to make up, though. Around the far turn. Monday call fending off four graces so far, but four graces is hounding her every step of the way. And these two come to the top of the stretch together with Never Forget cutting the corner in third, and Sconson popping outside four. Four graces short lead Monday call battles on. They've been battling hard though. And here comes Sconson. Sconson rocketing right by four graces and Monday call. Never forget his racing fourth with a 16th to go. And it is Sconson to kick away by two. Now by three. Sconson from last to first in the eight bells. Wins by two and a half in the end. Four graces second. Never forget was third. And Monday call was fourth. And the number five, Sconson, gets it done coming from last to first, paying sixteen forty with a buyer of 96. Monday, Cole and Four Graces end up getting that speed duel. And like I had thought, the one with the faster speed or red fractions ended up breaking it out. What were your thoughts on Monday's call? Disappointing performance here. Yeah, you know, Monday call was, was stuck on the inside um, and, and really had pace pressure throughout. Um and and when you know when looking at the the uh, incremental times for it, you know you're looking at a 22 a 22 flat first quarter, and a sub 22 second quarter, um, which is never going to it's never going to work out when when you're doing 44, almost 44 flat going into the half. So 
you know, the, the pace was strong, um, which set it up perfectly for Wisconsin. Obviously four graces, um, was able to, to put away Monday call on the, on the front end and, uh, and was able to, uh, stay on for second place but you know overall it was i think it was a really strong race and i think we're going to hear a lot from monday call and four graces moving forward and sconson too i mean if 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 sconson can get some of these pace setups um that she hasn't had previously i think that she's very live moving forward off this race as well i think this is a good race for this show specifically redboard rewind where redboarding can get you it may not have helped you today or that day you may have lost money obviously we both did wisconsin winning but for me now if you're going to keep track of horses sconsin perfect trip downgrade whatever the buyer came back which was a 96 so maybe for me if you look at ability figure it's more like a low 90 monday call being on the dead rail and in a speed duel and then obviously four graces now has had what seems to be a lot of tough tough fights on the front end so i don't want to see her come back too quick but at least now you kind of know that this is the type of horse that will battle a la serengeti empress down to the wire Wisconsin winning by two and a quarter two having it not be so close might end up giving me a little bit of you know this horse could be seven to five eight to five next time out depending on where she ends up yeah i mean again it depends on the race you know moving forward but yeah four graces and monday call for me both are are um improvement next time I, I i would definitely bet back both of those horses moving forward just just being on such a fast pace and monday call being um closer to the rail as well you know I, I would be more than happy to uh to um use either one of those moving forward for sure let's jump into what was my second favorite race of the day it was race number 10 from friday at churchill downs it was the grade two ali sheba going one on one sixteen miles on the dirt. We have good grade two horses like Silverdust, McKenzie, quote-unquote, dropping in class out of the Metropolitan Mile, and what seems to be like everyone's wise guy horse for the Classic this year, by my standards, always being in that fourth or fifth spot in these Classic rankings. Where did you end up going in here? Yeah, so for me, I, I loved by my standards in this race. Uh, I, I thought, you know, coming off of uh, the, the previous effort, uh in the in the Whitney it, it was it was such a uh impressive effort especially sitting off of you know blue fraction pace you know probable was able to to set an easy lead and just never never look back from there by my standard sat you know two lengths off and, and was still able to hold off Tom's Tata um coming to the line and I thought that was a really strong race so for me um, by my standards, look to be the inform horse. Um, buyers have been increasing all year, and I, I fully expect him to run, you know, a, a, a low 100s buyer speed figure again coming into this race. Uh, I also like the number five, Mr. Freeze. You know, I thought that the last two efforts could be excused, um, and uh, you know, coming into the race, if Mr. Freeze could find the form that he found from the Gulfstream Park Mile, I, I thought that he could be pretty alive in this race. Not to mention pace-wise, I, I I expected him to show some pace, you know, in a race where there wasn't any real bona fide, you know, speed types in this race. Um, so I, th I found him to be kind of interesting. For me, um, the biggest opinion I had in this race is I was completely against McKenzie. 
I did not like the triple bend um, race at all where, you know, McKenzie was able to sit just off of a very slow pace and pulled away against what I would consider to be a less than grade two type of field. And then in the Metropolitan, you know, obviously going up against like Vacoma and, and Network Effect, you know, those horses are, are legit horses, but I just felt like that effort was very dull and uh, I was I didn't expect McKenzie to do well in this race based on on that effort. For me, I have said many times in this podcast, I am always against McKenzie. I just feel like he's a second highest type of horse. So what did Spencer go and do on this day? Spencer put McKenzie right on top. For me, as a class handicapper, I just thought facing the horses he had faced, Metropolitan Handicap, Saudi Cup, BC Classic, it just seemed like all of his losses were coming against horses that were either Eclipse winners or champion winners of that division and just I didn't know where else to go obviously the other place to go was obviously by my standards I just didn't know what the board was going to look like at the uh when all was said and done and when you take a quick look at it by my standards was seven to five three to two and then McKenzie is you know a little bit shorter than him I just for me and also like with certain scratches happening obviously hence and the, what seems like he scratched every time Bodie Express, even though he did run the very next day. I just didn't think he was facing much. Owendale, Silver Dust seemed to be just great two horses. Mr. Freeze, I thought, was going on, on the decline. And then by my standards, would be the only horse. And this horse has got blue fractions all over his page. Mackenzie knows how to take it to him on the front end. It's interesting hearing your perspective on Mackenzie. And man, you talk like on the daily almost every day. And you would think that we would sometimes end up with being closer. And in this race, we were just completely opposite. Yeah, it is kind of interesting. I mean, obviously, you and I um, handicap races very differently as well. Um, so it's always interesting to be able to get that contrast um, when it comes to these races. But I, I just I was not a fan of McKenzie at all. Um, and, and realistically, McKenzie ha- hasn't really ran a good race since coming back from the Saudi Cup. And for me... I would need him to prove it to me before I would re- even remotely use him. Um, so when it came to all of my tickets and all of my players, I, I did not use McKenzie at all. Uh, I just, I did not like how he looked and how he has looked since the Saudi cup. Um, for me, Owendale obviously needs a pace, you know, sits pretty far back and makes his one run. And, and that's always typically pretty hard in two turn races to, to be able to close like that. Um, but, you know, Owendale has showed to the ability to close into blue fractions, mm-hmm. um, which I fully expected this race to have just because of the lack of pace overall. Um, and which was the reason, you know, why I kind of liked Mr. Freeze a little bit. Also like Bodie Express, just the, the weirdest horse ever that continually gets bet. I I really wished that he stayed in this race because I think he would have injected a little more pace. Um, And, and it would have been a little more interesting, but again, Bodie express, just another horse that is a takeout reducer, you know, a la patch uh, Mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, some of those horses where they always take money for some odd reason. And the, the ability just really isn't there. 
Um, so yeah, it was it was kind of interesting to to definitely see that. And Silver Dust, I thought maybe kind of interesting, you know, um, going back to the blame, you know, sitting a length off of um, off the pace, and you know, has shown in the past to be able to do well against grade three and grade two um, competition. Uh, so I did find him kind of interesting, especially at the price. But for me, all of my play was through by my standards. When you say all the play, pick threes, pick fours, did you, uh, at the odds that he was, did you make a win bet or no? I did make a win bet. And, uh, yeah, my pick four, uh, my all of my pick fours were, um, were singled to by my standards in this race. For me, it was McKenzie. I made a nice hefty win bet on him. Let's see who wins the grade two Ali Sheba from Churchill right now. And they're off in the Ali Sheba. Mr. Freeze hustled out of there. McKenzie flashing speed toward the inside and by my standards with a forward spot to Silverdust in tight toward the rail. Into the clubhouse turn they go and it's Mr. Freeze the leader by my standards. Angles to the two path and that puts McKenzie in a tight spot. Third and down inside right in behind the leader. Mr. Freeze. Owendale's not far behind and Silverdust tugs up in between horses too. Todd already's at the back of the pack as they move for the backstretch run. A compact field led by Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze by half a length, by my standards, right there to the outside second. Owendale's in the clear while third. McKenzie still covered up inside fourth. Silverdust in between horses racing fifth. Two and a half lengths back to title ready. And the opening quarter, a crawl. 25 and three-fifth seconds, absolutely no pace. The half and 49 and four. Mr. Freeze, the leader with four for lungs to go. By my standards, is right there second. And Owendale comes on three wide third. McKenzie has given more rain fourth and toward the rail. Silverdust is right there too. Todd already's at the back, three furlongs out. Mr. Freeze trying to see it out. By my standards, gets closer in second. Owendale's under pressure third. McKenzie set to strike in behind. Nowhere to go yet from fourth. Silverdust is fifth. They're off the turn. Mr. Freeze tried to cut the corner. By my standards, strikes to front three sixteenths out. But Owendale's putting in a late bid. McKenzie wanders down to the rail for a final try two. One for long to go. By my standards, switches leads right at the eighth pole. Switches back and it's fending off Owendale. Silverdust up into third. McKenzie's back to fourth. By my standards, scores in the Ali Sheba, wins by two. Owendale was second, Silverdust was third, and McKenzie checks in fourth. And number six, by my standards, wins with 102 buyer, paying $5 even. Nice pick, Marshall. Yeah, I mean, he got the trip that I that I wanted sitting just off the lead. Um, the other horse that I like, Mr. Freeze, uh, obviously finished up the track. Uh, so that that wasn't uh, wasn't nearly as good as uh, by my standards. But, you know, overall, uh, I thought by my standards was by far the best horse in the race and, and finished like it. Uh, something that me and you were just talking about off camera, but I'll let you talk more about first fraction of this race, 25 and three. That's slow. Yeah. That, that's called yeah. me, that's called me and you get into a horse suit slow. We, we can run up that tra- up that track. Yeah, yeah, you ain't getting there. Uh, yeah, it was very, very slow, and and especially you know, looking at the the half was fifty. I mean, my gosh, that that is very, very slow, and 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 hard for any horse to be able to close into. When I look back at Mackenzie and how you said before about how the triple bend wasn't that good, it reminded me back to the last time I had, uh, I believe it was Andy Sterling was on for my Met Miles show. If I'm wrong, I apologize. Um, 
he, someone had said that the triple bend wasn't that good and that he was going backwards, and I just didn't remake that note. And now coming into this race runs the 97. Maybe this horse can't get into the mid, you know, 105, 108s that he was doing previously. Maybe he can only crack 100, 101. By my standards, like we said, run a 102. I mean, could not be any more consistent. 102, 103, 102, 102. You know what you're going to get from this horse. Good old Owendale comes in for second at the second longest price on the board of 11 to 1 and was the only one that did any bit of improving except for title ready that went from a 92 to a 94, finishing second last. Do you think it was just more of a pace thing? I mean, you can't really say he got the pace because it was 50 to the half. So maybe Owendale's on the improve as well? Um, maybe. I, Owendale got a really weird ride. So Florent Giroux was very aggressive with where he placed Owendale, mm-hmm. um, sitting just off of By My Standards, um, which was really weird to me that he was that far forward. Um, but on, honestly, it, it proved to be a very good ride. Um, it was just a matter of getting the horse into the race more um, and, and showed that you know, obviously against grade one competition, that that's kind of the trip that he needs. Um, so I, I hope that they employ those tactics moving forward with Owendale. Um, Cause that would be a horse that I, I would like out of this race as well. The, the really interesting, and it, I'm going to surprise you with this. Um, I would love to bet back title ready out of this race. Okay. Um, no pace and sat on, got the absolute, Primo Corey Lannery rail ride <laughs> the entire way around. Um, so for me, I would love to have title ready back out of this race. Um, you're, and you're not only, not only it does the form line look bad, but you're going to get a good price on him. So depending on where title ready comes back at, I would love to bet him back. Now, I know you said it depends on when he comes back. I don't want to see him in a race like this because when you look at his just his overall form to begin with, you know, third in the Sexton mile behind uh, Mosito Rojo. Last time he won was on a sloppy mile at Aqueduct. I think this horse probably doesn't need the uh, the quote-unquote hard grade two. He probably needs more of the grade three listed stake, which when you see horses drop out of these kind of races, they take money anyway because it's the big premier one of the big premier races on one of the biggest days of the year. It's kind of like the horses that drop out of the Met Mile that don't belong. They still take money for no reason. So I just don't know. Yeah. I just don't know where a horse, like if he ends up in a, a listed stake, but maybe he ends up with a couple toughies in there. This horse could end up, you know, five, 10 to one, somewhere in that range, which is by far a good enough wager to begin with. To be honest, I think that if he came back in a grade two or a grade three, that I, I would be more than happy to use him. Now, I may not use him on the win end per se, mm-hmm. but but I think it's, it's you know, a, a, a good foundation after a year-long layoff, uh, you know, second off off of that year-long layoff. I think that that, that it proved that title ready is, is a good horse. And I think moving forward can only benefit from more you know, time on the track. So I, I wouldn't mind betting him back in, in tougher races. It's just a matter of, you know, what the spot is and, and who, you know, obviously if he comes back in a, in a grade one, we're going to have to have a talk, but, um, but I, I think that moving forward, I, I would lo- like I said, I would love to, to bet back title ready. One quick last toss back on Owendale, obviously Brad Cox being a trainer, Brad had, I think probably the best two days at any training group there. 
just overall, when you see certain trainers win on the undercards and it looks like they're going to have dominating performances, and then this is a sneaky second at 11-1, to 1, do you tend to make that note of, okay, you know, going into tomorrow, going into, because he also had Monomoy Girl, and then obviously she shares the devil in the Kentucky Oaks. Do you make a note of that? Like, this horse may have been look, pointing towards these two days for the last, obviously everyone points to them, but some trainers do go that extra, you know, step and a half to make sure they have everyone ready to fire on all cylinders. Um, sometimes. <laughs> um, I noticed it on this race day that uh, that he was going really well and his horses were performing extremely well. But I didn't use that information to inform my picks overall, um, which could have helped me uh, find some more winners. But um, it, it's definitely something that you need to take notice when it comes to especially a big day like this. Let's jump into the premier race of Friday's card. It was race number 12 at Churchill Downs. It was the grade one Kentucky Oaks going one and one eighth miles on the dirt. The race that everyone said the Colossal Titans were going into. This race that everyone said for the first time in a couple of years, the Phillies were going to look much stronger than the boys. I was all in on Swiss Skydiver. I thought this horse could not lose. What were your thoughts, Marshall? I couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, you and I talked at length about this race, and we were both very happy to um, take every amount of money that we ever could have earned to our to our lifetime right now <laughs> and put it on Swiss Skydiver, especially given the price, you know, at five to two. Um, it just felt like the trip was going to be great sitting off of Gamin. Um, it felt like Gamin didn't want the distance and that the dist was going to have extreme distance limitations going into this. So, you know, um, having a horse that is going to set, you know, a, a, a decent pace ahead of you and is likely to come back to you makes it all the better. And I just felt like Swiss was going to sit off of Gamin and and be able to pull away when the real running started you know the other one that i thought was kind of interesting in this race was speech i didn't know how good speech was considering the the competition that she's gone up against and especially um at the uh santa anita oaks going up against with skydiver and finishing second by fourth but um you know the race before then in the optional claiming um the 100k optional claimer you know, finishing a neck behind Gamine. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it it's one of those things that, you know, I knew that speech was good. And I felt, again, that speech was going to get the, a similar trip to Swiss Skydiver just sitting behind those two. Um, and when the real running started would, would basically be towed in by, by Swiss Skydiver. But, you know, I felt that Swiss Skydiver was by far, by and far, the best three-year-old filly. And I thought she proved that um, even more so with that second place effort against Art Collector in the bluegrass. I thought that was just ultra impressive. I mean, came back in the Alabama and, and won in hand, no problem. So I, I felt like she was, um, she was by far the best three-year-old filly going into the race. Uh, the only other, con the only concern that I had with Swiss Skydiver is that since she started her career, um, in, uh, November of 2019, she, she hadn't had a break yet. Um, and that was kind of the one thing that, that the one just real slight 
hesitation with her was the fact that she hadn't had a break at all since she started racing. So, you know, it's it's one of those things that uh, I, I really was worried about, but I thought that she was just so, so much more talented than the rest of the field that um, that would overcome that that lack of break that she's had. Let's talk real quick, at least from my point of view, with the, the number five can mean the favorite. Blue fractions all over the place on a speed horse. I hate to see it. The fact that the one time she went two turns, she ended up getting disqualified for being quote unquote, you know, drugged up. And that speech only finished the neck behind. This horse to me just screams one turn. It's JK. JK's exaggerator from a few years ago. I don't think this horse wanted anything to do with this type of distance. The fact that they still put her in here, you know, when in doubt, trust Bob, I guess at this point. Uh, like I said, Swiss Skydiver. I just thought the Alabama race, you bring up a great point that she had never had a break. But just Ken McPeak, they were saying go to the Derby. He's saying we're going to go to the Oaks. That Like knowing how well she had ran the bluegrass against what would have been the number two horse in the Derby, an art collector, which uh, we'll talk about in a quick second, which I thought was very interesting. Just She had just plugged along, plugged along. Maybe it becomes a place where the 102, she just peaked. And she just wouldn't have been able to get over the hump. And she was just going to, you know, drop down a few more points while somebody else could come up and improve or just, you know, speech could improve a little bit on that 101 that she had just run. Speech for me was the other horse, the wise guy horse that I thought everyone else in here had just seemed to just be a little bit low on figs and just were trying to get a piece. Donna Veloce is another type of horse, you know, she's going to inject a little bit of speed, show some pace, you know, possibly cost a horse, you know, ending up stuck on the rail, pinning them down, et cetera. Uh, what did you end up doing from a wagering perspective here, Marshall? Uh, for me, all of my plays were, were through Swiss Skydiver. Um, uh, literally every single one of them. Uh, I, I just felt like she was miles above the rest of the field. And uh, I, I was very confident with that. Uh, one thing to note going into this race mm-hmm. Um, just listening to a lot of the different podcasts and, and Steve Bick, um, there there were a lot, a lot of clockers that were very, very high on She Dares the Devil. Uh, now, granted, looking at the races, you know, the last, you know, the Indiana Oaks, who she really beat, um, you know, sat off of what was a very fast pace and was able to draw away. But um, there were a lot, a lot of, um, a lot of clockers that were very, very high on this horse going into it. Um, and, and there was a lot of buzz. So um, it, She Dares the Devil was one that I, I played underneath um, because I, I still felt that the buyer the buyers were so, so light. You know, we're talking 14, 15 points below um, that it was going to take a pretty monumental effort for her to, um, to be able to overcome someone like Swiss Skydiver or Speech. But um, I, I definitely felt like um, just because of all the buzz and the the steady buyer improvement that she could get a piece. We also uh, know uh, the colleague from In the Money, uh, Matt Bernier, had she shares the devil on top as well. So definitely a horse that didn't make me nervous because I was just so I, I was never. It's so hard. You always say don't change your pick because of someone else's opinion. 
this was the type of opinion I had on Swiss that I just was like, I was dying on the sword. If the horse showed up with three legs in the gate, I was dying on that sword. Like she was still going to get it done somehow for me. So for me as well, it was Swiss skydiver in the Oaks. Let's see who takes down the Kentucky Oaks here at Churchill right now. And they're off in the Kentucky Oaks, and Gamine got away well, and she's racing straight for the lead. She dares the devil, broke inward at the start. Nonetheless, she's showing speed as well. Swiss Skydiver is going to tuck in behind. Dota Veloce, very restive, and she tugs up on through. And Speech is three wide, racing fifth as they go into the clubhouse turn, and it will be Gamine the leader. Gamine's in front by a length. She dares the Devils right there in the outside in second. Swiss Skydiver toward the inside settles in from third. Dona Veloce comes away racing in fourth. Speech is fifth outside of Hopeful Growth who moves up one spot inside. Farther back in the field, Byronis comes away running in seventh. And then it's Tempers rising near the back. And at the back is Dream Marie. The opening quarter mile goes in 23 and one-fifth seconds. So it is Gamine on the front end, leading by a length with five furlongs to go in this Oaks. She dares the devil right alongside in second. They're running way off the rail. Swiss Skydiver with a big opening down inside, and here she comes. Swiss Skydiver tries to come up on through, but with that, Gamine responds right back with a go get him half in 47 and four-fifth seconds. They're on the far turn of the Kentucky Oaks. Gamine the leader, but it's a half length as she dares the devil cranks up the pressure now she dares the devil second and outside Dona Veloce is there Swiss skydiver set to strike in behind she's third and set to go as well as they come to the top of the stretch and Gamine turns for home in front she dares the devils bearing down and Swiss skydivers coming down the center of the course as well there's one for long to go Gamine's desperately trying to hold she dares the devil strikes the front of the eighth pole Swiss skydivers trying hard but she's still second not today for Gamine it is she dares the devil turning back Swiss skydiver Gamine and all the rest she dares the devil scores in the Oaks Swiss skydiver was second Gamine was third and speech was fourth and the number seven she shares the devil gets it done paying 32 30 with a 101 buyer well she improved Marshall that's all I gotta say about that <laughs> Yeah, you aren't getting there. Um, she improved. She got the exact trip that I thought Swiss Skydiver would get, and uh, and boy, that was uh, that was definitely the the winning move. I mean, I, I think with everything created equal, I would still rather have Swiss Skydiver coming out of this race over She Dares the Devil. But it was a very impressive effort from from her, and it, and it was an even better ride from Florent. I think too. We were just talking about how you know. Brad Cox firing all, on all cylinders. The second with Owendale, the win with Monomoy Girl, and now this win just had a fantastic, fantastic Friday. Swiss for me, I, like you had said, maybe the break. Maybe it was the, you know, one race too many, the 102, she kind of peaked. Gamine, like we had thought, finishing still a pretty decent third. Maybe the two-turn thing isn't out of her wheelhouse because I would have thought that Speech would have also beaten her if that was the case. Speech kind of ran... The, the quote-unquote the wise guy horse fourth where, oh, she'll beat a couple of these, and then she just ended up not doing anything. Yeah, I mean, the the trip for speech was kind of interesting. Um, again, she was, she was fifth and then got shuffled back to sixth, um, you know, uh, in the first quarter. Uh, so I the the trip there was kind of interesting for speech because I thought she'd be a lot closer up near the lead um and she wasn't nearly as 
as close as she had been in the past. Um, again, I thought that uh, She Dares Devil got just a beautiful ride, perfect trip. And I think the top three out of this race are absolute monsters moving forward. You know, uh, I, I think all three of those horses are very legitimate and um, take nothing away from the win for She Dares the Devil. But man, that that was, it, it was a heck of a race coming to the line, just seeing those three fillies just um, knock out, drag out all the way to the wire. I mean, huge props to Gamine uh, for for setting the setting that pace, but still being able to to stay on uh, towards the finish line. I mean, I, I again, I thought that she wanted nothing to do with the distance, and and she definitely proved um, proved me wrong for sure. I still don't think that a mile and an eighth is going to be where her wheelhouse lies, but I do think that she is one talented filly that, if if need be, she can get that distance. Everyone always says when you have, you know, two really solid favorites in the race, it'll be hard for them to both, you know, bounce. All three of them bounce. Gamine went from a 108 to a 96, Swiss from a 102 to a 99, Speech from the 101 to an 88. And then you have, you know, She Shares the Devil, who, you know, still needed that little bit of improvement. And like you had said, perfect trip. Maybe you, you can downgrade her, upgrade Swiss a little bit. Uh, for me, the top two now I think are going to be very dangerous going forward. If she shares the double, can now jump forward again. This could be a horse that could be, you know, five, six to one come distaff time, maybe when she ends up facing another horse like Swiss again. And people will forget in a few months, oh, yeah, she did beat this horse due to a perfect trip on Kentucky Oaks Day. And you could find value again, whereas everyone will then glom on to Swiss Skydiver again. Well, I mean, if we can get five to two on Swiss Skydiver again, my gosh, um, we're going to need to bring Struck to back up all that money that's going into that horse. I'll tell you what. Um, but yeah, I think overall, I, I would prefer Swiss Skydiver out of this race um, moving forward. But like I said, uh, I think She Dares the Devil and Gamine both ran just tremendous efforts. And boy, if we can see all three of these horses come back um, next year, that uh, <laughs> that that distaff is, is looking mighty, mighty, mighty tough. I think for me, too, and this is something that a lot of people, me, me and Vinny from Real Dynasty Picks talked about, if Gamine may never face these type of horses again going this long distance. So maybe with that, it will be hard to get Swiss Skydiver on that 5-2 to two because Gamine took so much money. And even I, I almost feel even though Swiss beat Gamine in this spot, that Gamine still would be the, end up being the favorite the next time they ran as well, which I think is also just the Bob Baffert effect as well. It very well could be. You know, obviously having having Bob Baffert um, be the trainer and especially, you know, if, if you're, I mean, just think if you had Mike Smith on this, on this horse too, I mean, that would be, uh, that'd be a lot, a lot of money coming into her, but you know, and I, I mean, it just depends on where Gamine comes back after this, you know, if they, if they do meet again, maybe Gamine is, <laughs> isn't shorter than even money. Uh, but uh, I still think that she would take quite a bit of money, and especially looking at the pace of the race, I, I think that it would be fairly deserving as well. That's all three races. That is not all the time we have, though. Uh, I wouldn't be a good host if I didn't ask you for a quick minute, two-minute feel on what your thoughts were on the Derby. Uh, well, I can tell you that my opinion uh, going into the Derby was flat out wrong <laughs> um like most people i thought authentic was not going to be able to get the distance 
Um, and of course, listening back to some of the comments that Bob Baffer made about Authentic, um, it, it, uh, it, it definitely suggested that Authentic would be able to get the distance without any issue. And, and Bob obviously thought that as well. So, uh, you know, going into the race, I was, I was very high on, on Tesla law and I did like New York traffic a lot as well. Cause, uh, uh, you know, I just thought that New York traffic was going to be able to sit right off of authentic and when authentic were to quote unquote fold, um, New York traffic would assume the lead and, and, you know, now look back. And unfortunately, uh, that was exactly what authentic did in New York traffic folded and and started moonwalking around the corner so you know i I thought it was a a very impressive effort from authentic and i think um you know take nothing away from away from tizzle but authentic was just a better horse going into the day and uh and and you know i I think tizzle law moving forward would probably benefit from a slight break but um but i can't fault the connections for wanting to go to the the preakness Marshall, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day this morning to come chat with me about Kentucky Oaks. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, at G1 Handicapping on uh, on the Twitter machine. Uh, I, I tend to post a lot of uh, weather reports, so if you uh, if you need a forecast for, uh, uh, for a racetrack, just let me know. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Thank you. Another big thank you to all the great racing fans out there who listen to all of our stuff. And to my special guest, Marshall Sterling. This show has been a production of In the Money Media. In the Money Media's president is Pierre Thomas Fornatel. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. And our In the Money Media business manager is Drew Coatney. I'm Spencer Luganbuehl, and we will see you next time. <laughs>